0: I'm just thrilled you're here because this is week one of a two-and-a-half-month journey. Don't get tired yet. Two-and-a-half-month journey. We're going to take—this takes us all the way to Easter. I'm going to teach you every Sunday for the next two-and-a-half months on one little part of the Bible. We're going to take it almost word for word. We're going to get after it, and the net result is it's going to be, I think, transformational. This series is called Becoming Beautiful, look at that, you becoming be- beautiful. You, let's say, it, becoming beautiful, you right? Listen, becoming beautiful, you because at the end of this 10 weeks, you'll be given a portrait, kind of like a painting of the you that you can be, the you that it's possible to be, and the you that God actually created you to be. And you're going to learn what it means to actually look like the best version of yourself. How many of you would like to be the best version of yourself? Right? How many of you think you already are? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a trick. That was a tr- I was going to let you teach this. If you were already there, I was going to let you teach this. See, I think most of us, I really do think most of us who are here, not everybody in culture, but I think most of us who are here, most of the people who are watching right now online actually want to be the best version of themselves. And I think all of us are curious, like, what would that look like? I mean, some of you are probably thinking, you know, I'm probably pretty good already, but maybe you'd acknowledge, just maybe you'd acknowledge there's a little room for improvement. Don't point, but who has room for improvement? Let me see your hands, right? I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, there just might be room for improvement. Go ahead. There just, I wanna hear you. Pop quiz, let's just see if this topic is even relevant. How many of you need a little help loving someone who's just a little difficult to love? Right? How many of you would like to have higher levels of consistent joy in your life? Let me see your hands. How many of you would like a little more patience? Hurry, put them up. Yeah, there there you go, there you go. How many of you like a little extra self-control when it comes to spending patterns or addictions or eating patterns or exercise, right? A little more self-control. How many of you would be interested in having more peace in your life, peace of mind, peace with people, peace with God? There's this one part of the Bible that we're literally going to take apart, we're going to examine, and we're going to learn to integrate this into our lives so at the end of this 10-week journey, you're going to see some of this, if you apply yourself, you're going to see some of this starting to show up in your life. Let's jump into the passage of Scripture. But when the Holy Spirit controls our life, stop right there. How many of you have control issues? Oh, see, you didn't raise your hand because you want to be in control. See what I mean? See what I mean? This isn't about us being in control. It's about the Holy Spirit, God, being in control of our lives. So what happens when God is in control of your life? Here's what people think. People think, if God's in control of my life, he's going to make me weird. If God's in control of my life, I'm going to have to do goofy stuff, talk funny. I'm going to have to, you know, praise the Lord and go around with hands. Of, I'm going to have to, you know, be odd. My friends aren't going to like me. Is that what happens when you give God control of your life? Well, let's just see. When God, the Holy Spirit, controls our lives, he will produce this, weirdness, oddness, strangeness. It's not what it says. Let's say it out loud together. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... How many of you would like to have a spouse or a best friend or a boss who's a little bit more loving Every day, a little bit more joyful every day, a little bit more peaceful and not an approaching storm every day, a little more faithful or gentle or self-controlled. If you're here with a friend or your spouse or a boss, I want you to turn to them right now and say, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like that. See, I'm starting to stir things up because this can be life-changing. We want this. And guess what? So do the people around you. Don't make a mistake about what I'm going to teach. I'm not going to teach about what everybody around you needs to do. I'm going to talk about what we each need to do to become beautiful. Why aren't the people you know living like this consistently? Why aren't we consistently Loving people, joyful, peaceful, patient people. Why aren't we? And why aren't the people we know like this? These verses that we just read are a picture of the life that's possible for you. This is a future glimpse of the person you can be. You know the before and after pictures? You know what I'm talking about? This is what I looked like before, and then I went on this revolutionary pill, and this is what I look like now, right? You've got the, be- you are the before picture. I am the before picture. But those verses we just read are a glimpse of the after picture. That's a snapshot of beautiful you. Now, I need to make a point here. This is not about learning to just be Impressive. Or to put your best foot forward. It's not about making a good first impression. This is about truly becoming beautiful from the inside out. When's the last time you wanted to just make a good impression, like a a job interview or a first date? I mean, how many of you remember the first time you met a boyfriend or girlfriend's parents for the first time, right? How many of you remember that? Are you so old you don't remember that? I heard about this young lady at a Christian college who was bringing her fiancé home to meet her parents for the first time. She'd gotten engaged at college, and her parents had never met the guy. So she brings him home, meet the parents. At dinner, the father of the bride-to-be took his future son-in-law into the other room to talk to him man-to-man, and the mother and the daughter waited nervously in the other room. The father began with a couple questions. Young man, I want to know if you have a job. And the young man said, well, not yet, sir. But the Lord will provide. The father said, well, how do you think you're going to support my daughter? And he says, I have no idea. But I think the Lord will provide. The father said, where are you going to live? Boy, said, I have no idea. But I think the Lord will provide. After a few minutes, the father walked back into the other room and announced to his wife and his daughter, I've got some good news I've got some bad news. The bad news is, this boy is unemployed and virtually homeless. The good news is, he thinks I'm the Lord. (laughs) There's a silver lining. There's a silver lining. This series is not about trying to make a good first impression. It's about lasting life change, real transformation, real transformation in your life. And the great news I just want to lead with, this is possible. So here's the big point for the next 10 weeks. If you get this, you're well down the road. To become beautiful, I need God's help. To become beautiful, I need God's help. Let's say it out loud. To become beautiful, I need need God's help. So to get our minds around this whole idea, we're going to break this down. Today's kind of like an introduction. We're just going to kick this off, give you some guiding principles that are going to help us for the next 10 weeks. Who's ready to get into this? You ready? All right, here we go. Number one, there is more than one way to live life, so I must weigh my options. I need to decide how I'm going to live my life. And so do you. Option one, and there, there are options. Option one, I can work on myself by myself. How many of you have tried this? I'm just going to make myself better. I'm just going to make myself self-improvement classes, self-help books. We say I'm going to become a self-made man. I'm going to become a self-made woman. But the problem with a self-made person is they always resemble their creator. You just end up looking like same old you. Now listen to me. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think those are all fine. I actually like those kind of books and those kind of classes. And I believe in personal development. But what we have to acknowledge is that when I do that, I'm doing the best I can by myself. I'm going to get just the best that I can give. Are you clear on that? This is I work on myself. How? By By myself. That's option number one. A lot of people pick that. But there is a second option. I can let God, the Holy Spirit, produce this in me. I can do it by myself. I can let God do his work in me. Look at this section of the Bible. Option number one. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, option number one. Here's basically what's going to happen, and it's kind of, well, it just basically says evil results. You just go live your life without God. You just go do the best you can. Let me tell you where that road's going to go. You may not check all these boxes. You're going to check some of them. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, that means putting something above God that's more important to you than God, participation in demonic activities, that means you're following the devil more than you're following God, hostility. Do you think we live in a hostile culture? Living lives on their own, by themselves, apart from God, Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. But when the Holy Spirit, here's option number two. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He produces this kind of fruit in us. And let's say them again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I'm going to back up to the previous slide. Because if you look at these, and if you could kind of categorize these in your life, you would see like they fall into groups. Like the first three. Sexual immorality. Impure thoughts. Eagerness for lustful pleasure. We'd call that sexual chaos. A little bit of sexual chaos. The next two after that, like after lustful pleasure, idolatry, demonic activity, spiritual confusion. So we've got sexual chaos, spiritual confusion. The next eight that come in a row are about your relationships melting down. Jealousy, selfishness, that kind of thing. And then the last two describe a life of excess with no control whatsoever. Let me ask you a question. Would it be fair to say that there's some evidence that we live in a culture that is sexually chaotic, spiritually confused, relationally challenged, and out of control? Who thinks you see a little bit of that if you're paying attention? Right? It's just like your morning news feed. You can read about this every day. What's the problem? People have chosen option number one. Living on their own, for themselves, by themselves, on their own power. And it always leads to problems. Now, there's another problem. I actually think it's an important problem that we can address. A lot of people don't even know that there is an option too. See, our culture is so fixated on brains and brawn and beauty. It's brains. Yeah, I'll just figure it out. It's brawn. I'll just power through my problems. I'll carry the weight of my choices on my back. It's beauty. I want to make that good impression. I'm going to pretend I have it all together. Hey, I have a corner office. Look how well my life seems to be on Instagram. But I'm not going to let you see the cracks of my interior world. So every morning I put my mask on, I march into the world, and I pretend, ready for the day. A survey found that over half of all teenagers say the main purpose of life is enjoyment and personal fulfillment. Option number one. Now listen to me. It is an option. I'd even say it's the most popular option. And I would even admit it is an option I have made in my life at seasons of time in my life. Anybody else? Dipped your, who's dipped your toe into option one? Those who didn't raise your hand? Liar, liar. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if your pants really did catch on fire? Wouldn't that be the coolest thing? (laughs) Begs a couple questions. Is this the way you want to live your life? Just doing the best you can? Or wouldn't you rather have the beautiful life that God has for you? Remember, for the beautiful life, I need God's help. Let's say it. For the beautiful life, I need God's help. Let me give you an illustration of the problem. It's kind of like spiritual gravity. Just imagine you're on the precipice of a mountain, a tall mountain, and you're on the crest line. You're on the tip-top ridge line, and you're tightrope walking along this thin, razor-like edge, and thousands of feet loom far below you on either side, and you're just walking on that crest line, very narrow little thing, and you feel the gravity, and you feel its pull to one side or the other, and one misstep, and you know you're toast. How many of you have a fear of heights? Anybody? Like it just kind of makes your stomach go, whoa. Several years ago, I led a hiking team on a mission trip to the Andes Mountains. And we were above 15,000 feet in elevation. And we were walking along old Inca trails along a cliff face. On one side of us was this towering, sheer wall of the mountain that went up as far as we could see. And it was right beside us. And on the other side was a plunge of 2,000 feet. Couldn't go off the wall. You sure as heck didn't want to fall off. The only way forward or backward is on this path. In some places, that path was only two feet wide. And on one of those days, I started having what felt like vertigo. I'd never had it before. My sense of balance, my sense of perspective, it was all gone. But there's no way to get to get off the mountain, except to keep going and walk that path. The only way I survived that, like to keep myself from just spinning over the edge of the mountain, was I had to walk while leaning against that rock wall. It helped, like the spinning in my head, to feel the solid face of the mountain, to feel that unmoving mountain. So you know what I did for a whole day? I leaned and I walked. There's the cliff. I leaned and I walked. I leaned and I walked. How many of you think that might be a good visual for your life with God? Like there's the danger, but I'm going to be okay as long as I lean on the mountain. See, if I had counted on my own internal gyroscope, just doing my best that day, I would have plummeted to my death. That's option one. Just doing the best I can. Living on a ragged edge where one misstep is going to lead to pain. One mistake is going to lead to tragedy. All up to me, and I'm in it alone. That's option one. But option two, you have a strong rock wall beside you that you can lean on while you walk. See, every day in your life, spiritually, there are two gravitational pulls. I mean, we just read that in that long part of the Bible, right? You just live on your own, then all that mess happens. And it's tugging at you, it's pulling at you, pulling you toward more of self, more of sin. But on the other side is God calling to you to live the life he created you to live. Every day, you just need to understand this. There is a spiritual battle going on for you, and you are the deciding vote. Will I do it my way, or will I live God's way? In my conversations, in my moral choices, Am I going to rely on my brains, my brawn, my beauty? Or am I going to rely on God's power to work in me every day, every choice? Am I going to do it alone? Am I going to do it with God? Am I going to live on the jagged edge? Or am I going to lean into the mountain of God? How many are with me so far? You have a choice. And so do I. That's point one. Number two. I must be intentional. Intentional. And not just drift. I must be intentional and not just drift. To paraphrase a popular bumper sticker, drift happens. And it does. It can happen in your life. It can happen in my life. Let me ask you a question. When left to themselves, now I want you to answer this. When left to themselves, do things naturally move toward better or do they naturally move toward worse? Better or worse if things are neglected? Left alone. Better or worse? Worse. If left alone without your attention, would your house become cleaner or dirtier? If left alone without your attention, without your attention, would your relationships become healthier or unhealthier? If left alone without your attention, would your body get stronger or weaker? Weaker. If left alone without attention, will you become beautiful or not? Not. Because the natural gravitational pull, the natural drift, of the soul is always going to be away from the life of God. If you're not paying attention, the natural direction of your life will be further and further away from God. Listen, you will not just accidentally become more loving. Gosh, I don't know how that happened. Yesterday I was a jerk. Today I'm wonderful. I just love everybody. It's not going to happen like that. You don't accidentally become more joyful. You don't accidentally become more patient or peaceful or any of the rest. You and I have to be intentional about letting God produce these characteristics in us. It's a battle going on inside you. I said it's a gravitational pull, one pulling you toward the cliff, one pulling you toward the mountain. Look at these verses. Ah, I missed that. Here we go. Live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Do you see the choice in that? How many of you see the choice in that? Two of you. So Karen says, thank you, baby. That was a good choice to raise your hand, by the way. Good choice. How many of you see the choice in that? half of you now. I'm going to ask you one more time. Let me see if I can get 60%. Live according to your new life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Do you see the two positions there, right? The old sinful nature loves to do what's evil, which is the opposite from what God wants, the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Say, okay, Brad, how does that happen? Like, how do I learn to rely on God? Well, Jesus actually gives us a picture of this. And it's, it's an agricultural picture. Now, you, you know, those of you who know me, I was raised on blacktop. I was raised, I was a city boy. So some of the agricultural pictures that Jesus gave, I had to study. I had to like understand what he was trying to say. So Jesus gives a picture of a vine that's growing out of the ground. And then off of the vine, there are branches that extend. And Jesus says, as long as the branch is connected to the vine, like the vine you know, has the root system and the nourishment. Like the vine is the life source. As long as the branch is still connected, then that branch can produce fruit. But if you cut the branch off from the vine, no life source, no nutrients, no roots, what's going to happen to the branch? Live or die? It's going to die. That's what Jesus said. He said it like this. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful apart from me. Then look what he said. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But if you're cut off, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. The picture is a picture of being connected to Jesus in a personal daily relationship with Jesus. It's a picture of being nourished by what he teaches and by the life he lived, abiding in his words, the very things he said. Pastor Hector taught on that last weekend. A branch cut off from the life source of the vine. Can you imagine a branch cut off from the vine trying to produce fruit? <sighs> Is the branch ever going to produce fruit? Yes or no? Doesn't matter how hard it tries. Option one, on its own, by itself. Option two, connected to the vine, connected to the life source, having a personal relationship with Jesus. Notice the word personal. This isn't your mama's relationship with Jesus. It's not your brother's relationship with Jesus. It's not your best friend's relationship with Jesus. It's your personal relationship with Jesus. And when we get our nourishment from what he teaches and the life he lived, we will produce, what does it say? We will produce, can you see that? Much fruit. But this involves a choice. Listen to these verses. Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge over pure gold, for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can be compared with it. Or this verse, this is a good one. And don't you realize, look how many times the word choose is used. Don't you realize that wherever you choose, there it is once. To obey becomes your master. You can choose. There it is twice. Sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey. There's the third time. God and receive his approval. (laughs) It all boils down to my choices. Can we take some personal responsibility? Who's ready to be a grown-up this morning? (laughs) Personal responsibility. It all boils down to my choices. Let's say it together. It all boils down to... We can live the life God created us to live, or we can just make choices and try to do it apart from the vine, apart from our life source. Like a boat, we're just going to drift. We're going to be tossed by the waves. Every storm is going to capsize us into the rougher seas. Every day without him is going to take us further from the shore. Remember our main point. To live a beautiful life, I need God's help. Let's say it again. To live a beautiful life. Many years ago, an expert sailor named Michael Plant was participating in a race across the Atlantic Ocean. He owned a sailboat called the Coyote, and it was state of the art. State of the art. The Coyote was manufactured using the most up to date materials. From the best engineers at the time. And plant, Michael plant spared no expense. Like he got the best technologist and put in the latest technology to make sure that the sails could catch the best wind. It could watch the weather closely. He could stay in touch with monitoring stations in case of an emergency. If you had looked at Michael plant, you would have said, no problem. That guy, listen to my words, looks the part. If you would have read his resume, which included countless ocean sails, you would have said, no problem. He has the brains to do it. If you would have seen his sailboat, the coyote, you would have known. Those are the best materials. Best GPS tracking equipment. Best electronic charting. Best weather indicators. You would have said, no problem. Because everything you could see was absolutely terrific. And for 10 days, everything was terrific. He and the coyote were making good time. But on the 11th day, the monitoring stations in Canada and Europe lost his satellite signal. Now, nobody was concerned for a day or two because technology, you know, can happen. But after a couple of days of no signal, they launched a search. They scoured the seas for a number of days, and the coyote was eventually found upside down, floating in the Atlantic Ocean. No sign ever again of Michael Plant. Now, what happened? It became clear pretty quickly uh, when the searchers discovered that the keel of the boat was missing. The keel on the sailboat. It, it, you know what a keel is. It's that large weight that extends down into the sea. Uh, the weight of the keel is meant to stabilize the boat. Keeps the boat upright when the sails are catching the wind. And the coyote had a keel of 8,000 pounds. lot of stability for that boat. But it was missing. I mean, how could, how could that many tons of lead attached to the boat be missing when it was there just two weeks before. Nobody ever found out why. They don't know why the keel broke away. But they knew the moment it did, disaster was inevitable. See, with no weight beneath the surface, no weight beneath the waterline, no weight to ensure stability, the coyote just easily flipped over and tossed its world-renowned skipper into the sea. I don't want you to miss the spiritual point. Success depends on the unseen weight beneath the waterline. See, there are too many people who don't have this. Too many people don't have any heft. They don't have any substance. They're just all show. It's all surface. But there's nothing to keep them steady, nothing to hold them on course. And listen, most people spend most of their time, most of their money on everything exterior. And almost no time is spent on the unseen parts of us. That's why faith is thought leader Richard Foster said, the desperate need today is not for great numbers of intelligent people or gifted people, but for what? Deep people. You need to reflect for a moment. Do you feel like you're drifting? Do you feel like your life has little stability and weight to hold you through the storm? See, you've got to consider the two options. Life lived on your own is to try to sail with no keel. And any little rogue wave can take you over. Or you can choose to deepen your life, add weight and heft to your life with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, Brad, so how do I get God's help? It's a great question. First, you admit you need God's help. You just make this humble, honest appraisal about the truth of your life right now. It's like, God, right now, I'm drifting. Right now, I'm unsteady. Right now, I don't feel like I have enough weight beneath the surface to hold me through the storms of life. This is a confession that you've been living a self-directed life apart from God. You just admit, God, I need your help. Second, you turn your heart to Jesus Christ. You remember the vine and the branch? So what you're saying is, Jesus graft me, graft me into the vine. Jesus connect me to you Because you're the life source. I've been living this disconnected life. No relationship with you. No nourishment from the vine. I'm dying out here alone. Jesus, please connect me to you. Does this make sense to you? We have to know we have choices. Point number one. We have to be very intentional about this because it won't happen accidentally. Point number two. And then if you do those first two, there's one more point today, I must practice the beautiful life. Now, this is going to be for a bunch of you, because a bunch of you have already connected your life to Jesus, but what you might not be doing is practicing this life with Jesus. In the following nine weeks, we're going to closely examine every one of the beautiful attributes that God wants to develop in us. We're going to take them on one at a time. And as we take them on one at a time, you need to understand that it will not be natural for you. It will not be easy for you at first because some of these are going to be new for you at first. And what you're going to have to do is say it really loud. Let the people online hear you. You're going to have to practice. We practice all kinds of stuff. Practice all kind. We practice golfing, skiing, surfing. Some of you practice musical instruments. You practice cooking. Husbands practice acting like they're listening. I mean, we practice <laughs> all kinds of stuff, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. When you're trying to learn something new, it's always going to feel awkward at first. It's always going to feel unnatural at first. That's the nature of something being new. So this new, beautiful life that God has for you, that's not natural. It's just not natural to be loving or gentle or self-controlled. It takes a lot of practice to be that. So what does God do? God puts us in situations where we can practice these. So if he wants to build love in us, he gives us people who are hard to love. So we can practice love. If he builds patience in us, he requires us to go to the DMV so that we can <laughs> practice patience. You get this? Look at what Paul wrote in the Bible. Keep putting into practice all you learn. Listen, practice doesn't make perfect, but practice makes better. Practice doesn't make perfect. You're never going to be perfect, but you can be better. You can be better at loving, better at peace, better at patience. You practice, you practice, you practice. Now, while you're connected to Jesus and while you're practicing his nutrients and his strength comes to us, infusing in us every day, every day, everything we need to develop this fruit on our branches. Every time we make a good choice, every time we lean into Jesus, every time we open and receive what Jesus has for us, we're getting stronger, we're getting better. The Holy Spirit strengthening our branch and then producing that fruit so that we eventually become the person that we maybe never even thought we could. And over time, you begin to feel this heft and weight within you that holds you steady in your storms. And you sense that your heart is changing and people around you see relationships changing and the life we once only dreamed of living, we're now living. And we look out at the branches of our character and our firmly held beliefs and our godly conduct and we see spiritual beauty. That's when we know, we deeply know, That God has done his work in us. And we are beginning to live our life. Our beautiful life. The way God always intended. Who wants that? I'm going to ask you to seriously, seriously look at your schedule. Over the next nine weeks. And see what kind of commitment you could make to being here. Because these next nine weeks, we're going to take one of the next week is love. The next week would be joy. We're going to take one a week for the next nine weeks. Every time you can rearrange your calendar, your priorities, to make a good choice, to be present so we can learn together, I believe it will bless you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Good to be back with my church family. Thank you, God, for... This amazing part of the Bible, where in just very few words, we really do see the essence of life. Two clear paths, two clear choices. We get to be intentional about which one to choose. And when we do, and when we practice, our life changes. I'm excited about what you want to do in every heart, every family every relationship, every person over the next two and a half months. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen Amen and amen.